As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. As women, we tend to not count the things that we do well, and we tend to overqualify things that other people do really well. I'm Allie Wolf, an Emmy-winning journalist and mom. I love interviewing women and experts who inspire us to create fulfilling lives and careers while embracing the messy and beautiful reality of being a mom. This is the Mom's Calling Podcast. Welcome back to Mom's Calling. This episode is equally important and interesting, and it really taps into part of the reason I started this show. I wanted to explore how mothers with impactful careers juggle it all. Being a mom is a full-time job. We all know that. Some women take on parenting without leaving their careers at all, and that works great for them. But others, they pivot, quit, or take a break. And what I found is there's usually a familiar sense of either anxiety or guilt, regardless of which path you take in parenting. On that note, I want to give this conversation some context and some facts. LinkedIn published a great survey in March of 2020. They surveyed about 3,000 working mothers. And what they found really tells a relatable story. Here's the headline. Nearly half of mothers work, take a break, and work again. Why is there still such a stigma? Isn't that true? So this survey found that the average extended break is about two years and 57% of the 3,000 mothers surveyed said they didn't feel they had a choice in the matter. In fact, over a third of the mothers left because it was more cost effective to stay home than to pay for childcare. And that's a whole nother story in and of itself. And for moms who didn't take a break, the top reason was finances. So they didn't have a choice either, followed by the fear of losing a job. So even without those numbers and those facts, clearly there are challenges for women with children in the workplace. And those challenges are really intense when a mom wants to reenter the workforce. In fact, most of the moms in the survey reported that they actually hid the fact that they had kids at home because they were scared it would hurt their careers. That's really just a sad reality. And that fear and those challenges are exactly what my guests focus on. Cindy Lish is an accomplished career coach who empowers stay-at-home moms with the confidence, tools, and skills to successfully return to the workforce. A former stay-at-home mom of two wonderful children, Cindy is passionately helping the world one woman at a time. She understands what it feels like to think that your decision to raise your family means that you will never be able to return to the workforce. She has empowered over 600 women in all 
industries and levels to find a job they truly love. Cindy says you absolutely can get back to the workforce after taking a break. We discuss how to address that break and that gap on your resume, how to stand out and prepare to snag your next dream job. We also talk about another important thing, negotiating and knowing your worth. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Cindy Lish. Hi, Cindy. Welcome to Mom's Calling. I'm really excited about this topic we're going to get into today. Hi, Ali. I'm so excited that you have me here. Thank you so much. I appreciate you inviting me to be on your podcast. Of course. And I think that your niche and your specialty is so important and it's unique. So how did you become a career coach who specializes in helping stay-at-home moms return to the workforce? Fantastic question. I love talking about this and I love stay-at-home moms. Stay-at-home moms have such a special, special place in my heart because I too was once a stay-at-home mom. So I was an emerging markets trader, high pressure, high power, responsible for a lot of money, $100 million daily cash flow for multiple branches of a bank. And it was a foreign bank and overnight, all 247 branches of my bank were shut down. So I had to find another job, which I found pretty quickly. But I found out shortly thereafter that they were moving my position out of the country. And she turned it down. She was pregnant with her first child, but she didn't intend to stay home. I knew that the moment the baby was born, I was going back to the workforce. I was never going to be a stay-at-home mom. Cindy took a part-time banking position after her child was born, but the training was full-time and her baby went to daycare. And there was a lot of crying during that time. Okay, all the crying was mine, but there was a lot of crime. I was really, really unhappy working full-time here. When she learned training would last for months? There was a lot more crying. Again, all of it mine. I resigned the next day and decided we would figure it out. He rolled over the day after that. I took it as some sort of a sign I was meant to figure out things in another way and not be in this job. I loved being a stay-at-home mom. I love taking my kids places. I love doing all this. But I mean, every single day, and I'm not exaggerating, every single day, I was like, I want to be able to go back to work. I, I'm smart. I'm powerful. I've had high level careers and I don't want to be in this position that my decision to stay home and raise my children while it was the right decision for me now to mean that I could never, ever go back to the workforce. And this literally plagued me all the time. So fast forward, and when I got done, you know, volunteering for every position for the PTA, president, treasurer, and whatever, and running many other nonprofit organizations, I started working for Dress for Success Worldwide. And I ran their job readiness boot camp program. And then I continued. I did this in libraries. I did it for nonprofits. And I've started my own business, which is just amazing, where I connect with women all over the United States. And you know what the interesting thing is, is that whether these women were earning $150,000 before they left the workforce or, you know, $30,000, everybody has those same fears. Who's going to hire me? How am I going to get back to the workforce? I'm just a mom. I'm only a mom. And there's so many career coaches out there, but there aren't very many career coaches who are taking care of this special niche and helping these moms to, with the confidence, with the imposter syndrome, and to really feel that they can do it. Being good at a job has nothing to do with the skills to get the job. And they help them through all that process. 
Well, I think it's such an incredible journey that you have had and so interesting. And I think it's so relatable how you felt. And I'm sure you discovered this. And I have even through the podcast that so many women feel that way. You know, some women love being a stay-at-home mom. Some women love working and don't cry every day. I know I would have. But then there's a lot of us who feel like we're not working full-time. We used to, and we love where we are, but we also have that anxiety about the future. So for women in that middle ground who are in that stage, like you were wondering if they'll get back to the workforce, I mean, what do you want them to know as far as the support and what's possible? How do you, how do you recommend them get through that period of time? First off is to know that you absolutely can. Okay. You can get back to the workforce. Employers are looking to hire people that have the skills that you have. So be aware of that. Things that you can do in the meanwhile, um, volunteering is really fantastic for, um, making network networking connections for adding skills and accomplishments more than just skills, but accomplishments where you have done something where you have added value somewhere where you've made a difference. So that's really great to do while you're at home. If you're not planning on go back, going back to the workforce for a while, it also fills up the gap on your resume because employers don't care where you have done the work, where you have gotten the experience as long as you have it. So many of my clients have gotten back to work at really fantastic positions with only their volunteer experience on their resume. Keep yourself up to date, right? We are never too old to learn something new. You know, our kids have to learn new things all the time and are forced to adapt all the time. But a lot of adults have a closed mindset approach to things. Oh my goodness. I don't know. I don't know Microsoft Office. I left the job for so many years ago. Oh my goodness. I can't do Excel. I can't do quick books. I can't use a program project management tool. Of course you can just learn how to do it. And there are so many really fantastic free resources out there. Just take some time and make sure that you keep your skills updated so that when you get to that point, you don't feel like, oh my goodness, I am the dinosaur. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier that volunteering can help with the gap on your resume, but is a gap on a resume, do you believe that is really harmful or do you think that you can fill it in other ways? So for example, say you have your kids in 2018 and you're planning on going back in 2025. So if you have a seven-year gap, is that a big red flag, do you think, to employers or do you think that you must fill that with something, even if it's not a full-time job? I will tell you that this past week, like three days ago, one of my clients just went back to the workforce with a seven-year gap absolutely nothing filling the gap. I mean, not even one lick of volunteer experience. And she's back at the same level that she just left. I have people with 14 year gaps, 20 year gaps. So, you know, is it possible to do it with a gap? A hundred percent. Yes. That being said, you know, we still have to make a parallel. We still have to show that you can do the job that they're asking for. I have my clients, we work on targeting really great resumes. We work on writing outstanding cover letters, and that's going to make a tremendous difference for anybody um, looking for a job, even if you're at another job right now and just looking to make a transition or a pivot, but especially for somebody who is looking to re-enter the workforce. This is that opportunity to shine, that opportunity to be different than somebody else, to stand out, to show a little bit of your personality. So the bigger problem about the gap also is 
internal that you feel that the mom feels like, oh my goodness, I have a seven year gap. Now no one's going to want me. Other people have other skills. Ladies, we have skills that somebody who's just out of college doesn't have. Okay. There are communication skills that we have that people who are in their early twenties don't have, right? Because they grew up in a different era, in a texting era. There are organizational skills, problem management skills. We've just lived more. We have overcome challenges and obstacles in life that just life has brought upon us. You don't get to this stage of life without being able to handle them. And we bring all that to the table when we go to a new employer. I think that's so true, but here's my follow-up question or devil's advocate question to that. How do you address that without saying, oh, well, I schedule everything for my kids and I shuttle. How do you address that without sounding too much like a stay-at-home mom? And I, and I don't know if you should embrace that or try to downplay it. Do you address it or do you dance around it? And how do you recommend people go about talking about that gap and talking about the skills that may not be exact matches, but can transfer? So it's going to depend a lot on the exact circumstance each time. Okay. And it's going to depend, you know, when we're talking about our kids, it's also going to depend on the age of your children. Okay, so now, for example, asking somebody if they have children is an illegal question. If I were to go on a job interview today and someone asked if I had children, I know it's an illegal question, but I don't have to go down that avenue because I know what they're getting at. And my kids are 20 and 24. It's a non-issue for me because I'm not going to not show up at work because somebody has to be picked up from daycare or somebody is sick. Right. So if you have small children, I certainly would not be bringing up the children issue because they're going to be concerned that every time the child is sick, you're not going to be at work, things like that. But the idea is, is that you have a lot of examples and stories. And I like to talk about the stories because that's what's going to make a difference. So you have stories that are going to convince the employer that you are the right person. So, for example, I have told a story to show like when you're talking about, uh, you know, a time when you had to deal with a difficult colleague or coworker, which is a very common interview question. And now you may say to me, but Cindy, I've just been home. I don't have any colleagues or coworkers. I haven't for a long time. Well, maybe you have a story from the PTA, right? Maybe you have a story from Girl Scouts. Maybe you have a story from anywhere else. And all of those, because we all deal with difficult people all the time. So for example, I was PTA president. I've now given off my leadership skills, right? So as PTA president, I was leading a PTA meeting in the auditorium in front of several hundred people, public speaking skills. And a woman got up and she started screaming at me at the beginning of the meeting. And she said that her child had not received the school t-shirt. Okay. So I knew instantly what this was about, but this wasn't the venue to, to deal with this. So I told her that this was very important and I wanted to make sure this was taken care of, but please, this is not the time or the place. Please come talk to me in my office right after this meeting. And I promise I'll make sure that it gets taken care of and your child gets the t-shirt. So now I've, I've given my communication skills, my ability to de-escalate a situation, et cetera, et cetera. And all this is something just from a volunteer experience. So what I do when I work with my clients is we dig deep into their life and figure out what stories and examples can we use, even if you have, quote, just been a stay-at-home mom and come up with these examples. And I guarantee you, because it happens all the time, these women have accomplished and done so much more than they believe they have. And very often doing 
you know, free work for friends, for their spouses, you know, handling all the QuickBooks and the accounting for their husband's business. There's a lot of things where they have done real work. They just haven't gotten a paycheck for it. Got it. And so really, I think what I'm hearing you say is it's a lot about that preparation in thinking about those stories, because I'm sure we all have them in having to think of something because it's too hard. So thinking of those stories and great examples ahead of time so you can pull them out uh, if you're in an interview situation. Always. I'd like to talk about having a minimum of five stories in your back pocket. So you want to think about strong examples that you want to convey before you're even going on that interview. So almost no matter what they ask you, you have stories that you can put forth and you feel confident about that. And like anything else, the same way we help our children to prepare for tests in school and we would never send them into a test cold without studying, without preparing, we need to prepare for the interviews. And the most important thing to remember when preparing for these interviews is the job posting is your cheat sheet. This is telling you, this is exactly what we're looking for in somebody. So now you know what you need to have stories about. This is always give me examples of, give me stories of when you have done these exact things. Know about what the company is about so that you can literally close your eyes and see what the person in this position would be doing. And by the way, if everybody in that company is 22 years old and they're working 90 hours a week and something else like that, you're probably not going to want to work there anyway. It's got to be the right fit for you. You are interviewing them as much as they are interviewing you. I love that because I think that we can devalue or not view our skills as as important and valuable if we haven't been in the workforce for a while. So I think that's a great way of thinking about it because I think it's probably tempting to be quote unquote desperate and just say, oh my gosh, I got an offer. I should take it. And I know I've been guilty of that in the past. Okay, before we continue with the show, I want to talk a little about Noom. Noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on their platform to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. A lot of people face pressure to change themselves to fit other people's expectations, and the more freeing solution is to find things that work for you. Noom understands that everyone's weight loss journey is unique and what works for someone else doesn't necessarily mean it'll work for you. That's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible and focuses on progress, not perfection, allowing you to work toward goals at a pace that's comfortable for you. Noom Weight makes it easy to start your weight loss journey and stay on track. Personalized lessons help you gain confidence and practical knowledge. One-on-one coaching and a cognitive behavioral approach teaches you how to be mindful of your habits. 75% of Noom Weight users finish the program and more than 60% that engage with the program kept the weight off for a year or more. So start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at noom.com slash believe. That's noom, you mentioned the job listing. So how do you recommend believe, somebody who's been out B-L-E-A-V. of the workforce start looking for these jobs? I know there's great online job postings, but you know what does that process look like in figuring out A, where to actually find the jobs and B, you know, what it is you want to do. So when you're talking about finding the jobs, so there's lots of great job search board engines out there. So you want to look at them, you know, Indeed is a big one, LinkedIn is a big one, Glassdoor. Flex Jobs is one of my favorites. 
Okay, so FlexJobs is going to be the site that's going to have the most remote, part-time, flexible, hybrid, et cetera, et cetera, jobs. And there are a couple amazing things about FlexJobs. Number one is that they were the ones offering these type of jobs before the pandemic. So it wasn't something that they adapted to during this time. They've always been doing this. They're experts at this. Everybody recognizes them for that. Number two is, although there is a small fee for them, they vet every single position. So you never have to worry that you're going to get one of those work from home scams. Okay. So that's a really nice thing to know. Understand that anything that sounds too good to be true is, okay? So if the process is too simple, it's probably a scam. You never pay to apply for a job. You don't give, you know, bank cards, credit card, things like that. Now about finding the jobs. So here's the interesting thing. We're always fixated on titles. We're a very title-based society. If you stop looking at titles and start looking at, at skills, you're going to see many more jobs out there. So rather than just putting in a title, human resources associate, put in the skills that you would use for that, okay? I promise you, you will see a lot more jobs out there. And if you don't know what you wanna do, right? If you're looking to re-enter the workforce and you say, you know, I, I wanna go back, but I don't wanna do what I did before, what should I do? So I want you to start to look at the things that you enjoy doing in your life that you're really good at. Okay. So maybe a Venn diagram. This is what I enjoy doing. This is what I'm really good at, where they intersect. That's where you're thinking about the jobs. And I bet you you're going to see parallels between what you what you do, what you've done in your work and what you've done in volunteer, what you like to do in life, because we go with our strengths. If you don't know what you're good at, and I really hope you do. But if you don't know what you're good at, talk to your best friend, talk to the people that know you well and say, you know, hey, Ali, you know, when you think of me, right, what, what do you think about that I do really well? What do I do better than other people? When you need something done, I'm the first person that you call for what? Talk to someone who's going to be honest with you and tell you the truth and get some ideas. Because as women, especially, we tend to, we tend to not count the things that we do well, and we tend to overqualify things that other people do really well. For example, if you tend to be really organized, like myself, we tend to think that everybody in the world is really organized and has Google spreadsheets and calendars and everything is neatly in line and list. But most people are not like that. And then on the other hand, if you're, let's say, very artistic and creative and can see colors and things like that, then you look at other people that can do this and you're like, oh my goodness, wow, that is amazing. We all have our own unique qualities, our own unique values and what we bring to the table, our own unique selling points. You have to play up what you do well. Okay. That's a great advice. I think it is hard to see our own skills because we're just, it's normal to us. So with that, I want to get to something that's timely. We've had this pandemic. There's so many remote jobs. And I think we all know the, the perks of remote work and flexibility. You're at home, no commute. You can be with your kids more. But can you talk a little bit about what are the cautions that maybe moms should look into or think about before going for a remote job and specifically the red flags? Yes, that's all really good. Yes, everybody's looking at remote, like I just want to work remotely and this would be perfect for me. But there, it's not all just fuzzy slippers, right? And having <laughs> your dog with you. Number one, a lot of people miss that social aspect. 
women especially who have been at home for a long period of time and just want to get out of the house, want to have a reason to get dressed nicely, to put on some lipstick. If you could do your whole job wearing pajama pants, you know, it's not exactly the same. So missing that aspect of having somebody to just talk to, hey, what'd you cook for dinner last night? What are you doing this weekend? anything, it makes a big difference for our social, mental, emotional state. So really keep that in mind because, you know, Zoom is great and has made a lot of things happen, but it's not the same as being in the same room with somebody. You know, collaboration, those team meetings are not the same when you have to do it across this Zoom, get everybody involved. How do we talk? How do we have a meeting? How do we add on to somebody else's idea when we're in this Zoom meeting? It's just, it's not the same as it is when you're in the room with a person, okay? You know, it's very interesting, but people that are working remotely get promotions less often. Okay, they don't get promoted as as frequently as somebody who's in office. Honestly, it's just that out of sight, out of mind. It's just harder to see what somebody's doing and the quality of what somebody's doing when they're not in the office with you. Um, so that is definitely something to be considered as you're going here. Finding mentors, because a mentor is somebody that's very important in moving up in your career. You know, you can't decide in five years from now, why am I not at this next level, right? You have to start now gaining the skills that you need to get to the next level. So I recommend that people, when they start working somewhere, once they learn the ropes and they know what they're doing, start to look at the jobs that are a little bit higher than where they are. See what skills are required. What do you have to learn how to do? Do you have to be able to lead a team? Do you have to be able to do presentations? You know, what are you missing? And then give yourself opportunities, ask for the opportunities to get those experiences, but also have a mentor, somebody else in that, in that organization, in that company that is willing to take you under their wing and guide you a little bit. And it's, again, much more difficult to have these interactions when you're never in the room with another person. Yeah, I think those are great, great points because like you said, remote work sounds like the dream, but I think there's a lot that especially moms don't get out of that. And we, a lot of us, you know, we're very social and we want that connection. And I know for myself, it's like one of the big things I miss about working is that team aspect. I remember when I used to work in person all the time, it's a compliment on my clothes all the time. And, you know, I get it sometimes and people write to me like, you have a fantastic wardrobe, but it's not the same as doing it in person and I enjoy wearing heels. I never wear them when I work remotely. <laughs> I know I, you mentioned fuzzy slippers. I'm wearing my fuzzy slippers now and it's great. But at the same time, there's also something to be said for dressing up and feeling good when you're out in the world. So the last thing I wanted to get to with this whole job process is something that I think is not talked about very much, which is the negotiation part. And I think we talked about valuing our skills and ourselves. And I think that it comes down to money as well. And I think maybe a lot of us might not think we're worth as much as we are because we have not been making that much and feel like an employer might think, well, you have been making nothing, so I'm going to pay you lower. So how do you advise um, stay-at-home moms or former stay-at-home moms go about that negotiation process and saying no if they feel or if they are being lowballed? Okay, great question. First off, 
you have to have confidence in yourself. If you don't think you can do it, no one's ever going to think you can do it. So if you, you need to have that mindset shift from literally begging someone to give you a job, feeling that they're doing you a favor to give you that job, because then you're giving off that impression with the impression of, I worked with this with one of my stay-at-home single moms to, this is what I can do for you. Such an incredible shift which yielded her getting the job. Second of all, understand and research what the job pays beforehand. So if it's not listed, it's the laws are being changed and some of the states are going to start to list what the actual um, salaries are on the job postings, but for most places, they're not. Go to places like Glassdoor and research what the range is for that position because you want to come in at an educated point of view because if not, you have no idea. Should it be asking for 30 or 50 or 90? I mean, you know, what is, what is this pay? And then be able to, you know, if you have what they're asking for, you come in and you say, I know, I understand this position is paying between this and this, right? Based on my experience, I would hope to get towards, you know, hopefully ask for the, the higher end of that. Don't be afraid to negotiate for more. Once the, but you do that once they've made you the offer. Once they've made you the offer, they're not going to rescind the offer because you're asking for more money. And hiring managers actually are expecting you to ask for more money. The worst they can do is say no. If they say no, then I recommend that you ask that you be reevaluated in six months from now, rather than a customary year from now. And I will tell you, so many of my clients, first off, have negotiated higher wages than the initial offer, but also have had not just promotions, but salary readjustments with back value to when they started working, when the employers realized how valuable they were. So just, you know, believe that you can come in educated about what the salary is and no, they're not doing you a favor. And if they act like they're doing you a favor by even thinking to offer a job to someone who was just and only a stay-at-home mom, I would run away. Love that advice. It's so good. Thank you. I'm glad uh, we brought that up because I think that part of it is so important. So, okay, now we got we got through so much and I love to ask your best and worst advice. Okay, so the worst advice I ever got once about a career was just to take the highest offer. So when I left that bank that was closed down, I had three offers on the table at the same time and people told me to take the highest offer. And you know something, it, it was a dreadful mistake. Just the work environment was horrible. And there's so much more that goes into a job than just the salary. And people should really understand that. There is the commute. There is the homework balance. There is the, the management, the team you're going to be working for, how much autonomy you're going to have on the position, right? The things that most of us like best about jobs is being trusted, being able to do our job without somebody micromanaging us, working with a good team. So, Really do more research before you accept the position and don't only accept it based just on the money. Money is important. Okay, we have to pay our bills. We have to have a roof over our head and food on the table. But there are other things to consider besides that. The best advice that I received actually is advice I received when I decided to grow my business from being something that I was doing in person locally to launching it nationwide online. And that was that you can only concentrate on one thing at a time. You cannot, and, and you know as well, Ellie, right? That if you are an entrepreneur, there are always so many things that you could be doing 
but you cannot do all of them simultaneously. So you master each one and you do it really well and then you move on. So in anything you're doing, it's always, you know, one at a time, even in your job search, you can't do everything all at one time. You have to be focused and have a direction and a method to the way you're doing it. Now I want to get to the question from my previous guest. If you could do any job just for a day, what would you do? So I talk about how I love to cook. Um, I'm also fascinated with the behind the scenes, the home part of the White House, not the politics, not the politics at all. I don't care who's in office, but the home part. And I've read everything about the first ladies and the wives and the chefs and preparing the food and the banquets and the food for the, the family. And I would love for one day to be the chef in the White House. I love that. That is such a unique one and specific. Okay, so now at the end here, I just want you to tell everyone where the, what you offer specifically for um, your clients and where they can get in touch with you, see all of your content, everything. So I offer a lot of different things. I have a one-on-one -on -one coaching program where I do one-on-one -on -one results-driven coaching on Zoom with my clients plus modules. So they're so supported. I have 12 videos literally teaching my clients every single thing that they need to know to get back to the workforce. We do resume reviews and cover letter reviews and LinkedIn and we interview together and they offer them texting support. It's really a hand-holding kicking you in the butt program. And they can find out about that at my website, which is cindylish.com, C-I-N-D-Y-L-I-S-H.com. I also have some free content available for you. I have a YouTube channel. So YouTube backslash Cindy Lish. I have a Facebook page, Facebook backslash Cindy Lish one. I have Instagram. It's Cindy.lish. I have a private Facebook group for stay-at-home mom. I have the opportunity for people to have a one-on-one -on -one discovery call with me to see how I can help them out. And I also have an amazing masterclass. I have a free one-hour masterclass. It's called the four simple steps for stay-at-home moms to confidently return to the workforce, whether you've been home for 20 minutes or 20 years. Everything that I just mentioned can also be found on my website, which is cindylish.com. All that support is out there for you. Perfect. Well, I think it's so important and valuable what you're offering. And I really enjoyed this conversation. So thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure being here. I so appreciate you having me. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions, concerns, or suggestions, I want to hear from you. Send me an email to momscallingpod at gmail.com. If you like the show, be sure to rate and review this podcast. See you next week for another episode of Mom's Calling on the Believe Network. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.